as I prepare for a teaching, I, I share this often. I, I have the incredible, incredible blessing of uh, being able to teach um, here at Calvary um, a few times. And I, as I prepare for a teaching, it's one of my favorite things to do because I get to dive, and I say this, I think, every time, so you're probably sick of me saying this, but I get to dive into God's word in a deeper level, in a level that it's probably the same way that a person who uh, leads worship, uh, worship they, when they worship God, they, they have this special connection with God. When I open God's scripture and do a deep dive, I get to experience God. I experience God, his, his richness, his fullness in a, in a new way, uh, in a different way, a more uh, complete way for me. And um, as I was preparing for this teaching tonight, uh, I was asking God, Lord, what do you want me to teach on? And uh, I really felt he was very clear that I'm called to teach on what he's been teaching me. Um, and that is Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1 specifically. I've been in those uh, in about eight verses in that chapter for about uh, two months now. And I've been meditating on it. I've been memorizing it. It's been, uh, it's been comforting, to say the least, for me in this season of life. But as we dive into Second Corinthians as a whole... I, uh, first and foremost, I, I know that most people on this call, on the, I say this call, I'm excited not to say that again, but on the Zoom meeting, uh, on for YouTube, wherever you're watching us, uh, I know that you guys, if you're watching this, you probably know the Bible more, better than probably most people in the world. And I'm not just saying that, right? I know that uh, you have probably studied the Bible uh, deeply. You've studied, you search scriptures, you love scripture, um, that's at least my desire for you all, but I know many of you all, and I know many of you all are, 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 that, are just that, uh, Bereans of God's word. Um, so you may be thinking that not another, you know, Paul sermon, but I can't help it because what we uh, come to learn about Paul, it's, it's endless. And we see, we see so much through Jesus, through this man's life and the way that he loved. Uh, we know that it, this book, 2 Corinthians, was inspired by God. Uh, but inspired by the Holy Spirit himself um, and written through Paul. So, but as we, before we dive in, I just want to give a little context on why 2 Corinthians. So when many of us think of Paul, uh, we may remember um, Saul, the Jewish zealot. Uh, we may think of Paul, the, the great theologian who was inspired by the Spirit of God uh, to write a lot of the New Testament, including, you know, those major theologian books, theological books like Romans or Galatians, um, the pastoral epistles in Timothy uh, and Titus. And we may think of a man who seemed to have a pretty stern character, at least that's what we, we get through his writings, a pretty stern and firm character. Um, and while, all these, while these, all these attributes and characteristics of Paul are true, I, believe, I truly believe that we rarely... Um, Think of one who has a tender heart um, for the people he ministered to. I think we rarely think about what Paul gave, what he sacrificed to serve God, uh, the life that he lived to serve God. Um, and with that being said, I think Second Corinthians, often referred to as Paul's journal or Paul's autobiography, um, I think we see a different Paul than we get to experience through some of the other books. Um, we see a raw Paul, we see a real Paul, we see uh, a Paul that, uh, who just is extremely real to the people he loves uh, and serves. And 
I think it's become one of my favorite books. And I think last time I taught, I could be wrong, but I've taught recently out of Hosea. And I remember saying this about Hosea. Hosea is one of my favorite books. And I think there's a, there's a, there's, it's not a coincidence that Second Corinthians is also one of my favorite books. Um, I think that there is a correlation between the two. Um, I think that the correlation is mercy, grace, rawness, pure love, and joy. I think if you read Hosea and you see God's mercy, grace, rawness for Israel, for his people, the pure love that he has, the joy he has in them, but also uh, the pain that they caused them. Uh, I think that you can also see that here in Second Corinthians with Paul writing to this church. Now, to give you some context, Second Corinthians was... Uh, it was probably the second or third book written. I think many people agree that Paul wrote three, uh, maybe more, maybe four or five uh, letters to the church in Corinth. He spent 18 months with these people. That's the second longest um, missionary stay that he had uh, behind Ephesus, one-time missionary stay behind Ephesus. And uh, he really loved these people. And uh, when I think about his heart, and you see this, it's the same, just to go back to the Hosea, it's that, that same mercy, grace, rawness, pure love, and joy. Um, I think you, Paul not only exhibits that in this book, but I think myself, um, I think of why do I desire that so much, right? But I know that it comes from God. But I think in a world where you see uh, mercy, mercy rarely shown, uh, especially if you're driving in the streets of Boston. Uh, grace seems to be more popular, be, uh, more of a popular name than a characteristic found in our world today. Rawness is weeded out by social norms uh, and isolation. Pure love is no longer being defined by God's perfect love, uh, God's agape love, but whatever the individual truths of 7.6 billion people decide love is. Uh, enjoy is being counterfeitly sold in the likeness of money, possessions, health, entertainment, sex, drugs, alcohol, aesthetics. Uh, and to tie it back to actually Sam's teaching this past Sunday, uh, we this joy, this idea of joy has been tied to a, a false ecstasy, right? Um, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. That's what Ecclesiastics 1.9 says. And I think that during this time with Paul, Paul has experienced the people in Corinth. Paul, uh, the world wasn't too much different, right, in, the, in what they were experiencing then. Uh, carnality was a thing uh, back then. I think this desire of uh, mind for grace, mercy, love, rawness, pure joy that I get to see and experience in uh, God's scripture through many scriptures, but specifically through Second Corinthians and Hosea. I don't think that's something new. I don't think that desire of mine is something new. Um, nor do I believe it's a it's from a lack of something. I believe it's actually just the opposite. And I think Paul addresses that as well. I think that the longer I walk with God, the longer one walks with God, the more that one has tasted and seen uh, how good the Lord is, the more one wants, right? And I, I truly, I, I think that with myself. It's like I, I, I want more of this grace. I want more of this mercy, this rawness, this, this pure love, this joy that is found in Christ. Um, especially in, uh, especially in a world where uh, our joy is often attacked, right? And um, most of 
every day, I think the longer we live in this body, um, in this world, the more our joy is being attacked head on, right? Uh, on a daily basis, right? Most of us will suffer loss. Most of us will be disrespected. A lot of us will be falsely accused of something that we didn't do. We will be told by the people that we deeply love that we don't love them. Uh, a lot of us will be wronged by people we adore. We will shed tears. We will experience hurt and grief. Some of us to the point of despairing life itself. And the Apostle Paul, uh, and once again, in what is considered his journal, for by many people consider his journal, we get to see a heart that isn't, uh, isn't far from feeling these things, right? He isn't separate, but tonight I want to dive in and see how Paul addresses those things. Um, and I also want to see what, and hopefully God willingly, you guys will take away um, wh what did Paul cling on to? Where did Paul find his hope? Where was his comfort found? And what was the purpose of these things that was happening to Paul? So just to continue on giving uh, just some clarity around 2 Corinthians. Um, first, 2 Corinthians, one of two epistles, one of two rather uh, letters written to the Church of Corinth um, that we have recorded. The first being 1 Corinthians, obviously, and that seemed to be more of a, a correction. Um, you know, Corinth had this carnal behavior after Paul left and his carnality entered the church and Paul was writing a letter, a lot of just really correcting a lot of that behavior. Um, the second letter, however, the letter we're going to be in tonight, Paul is writing this letter uh, because Titus has come back to him. Titus is Paul's protege, one of Paul's protégés. And Titus was left in Corinth by Paul or he was sent to Corinth by Paul and he, he came back with a report and Titus says, man, they are, you know, he gives a kind of a mixed message. Part of it's like, man, they are, their, their love, uh, their love is great, but there is false prophets that are trying to uh, discredit who you are. And there have been some that have followed these false prophets and they're starting to question not only your apostleship uh, and your, 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 uh, your calling from God, but they're also starting to question their love, your love for them. And of course, this breaks Paul's heart. Um, and Paul, you know, these, these fake apostles um, who rise up, and Paul, it's, it's really interesting how he addresses them and calls them out. Uh, he says, you know, even as Satan is a, uh, can be a, a false angel of light, right? He, he appears as the angel of light, so can these apostles become fake apostles. And, um, and, and he calls them messengers from Satan and uh, but Paul, part of the way that these people address the church of Corinth and really try to, to, to snatch uh, this, this, this foundation, these seeds that Paul planted and God watered uh, and the work that God did there is that they started to attack Paul's, um, Paul's character more so in his letters and verses when he's in person. They, 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 he said things like, they said things like, hey, Paul is bold in his letters, but in his physical appearance, he is... Uh, he's, he's pretty much weak, right? He, he, when, when he's with us, he's kind of this weak guy. He, he doesn't have great words the same way that he does have in his, letter, in his letters. And then they start to, you know, they take pride in their physical appearance. And they're, you know, they're, they're talking about, uh, they bring up their physical appearance and the lack of Paul's. And 
Uh, they boast in these worldly things, and Paul just reams them, right? He, uh, he, he just addresses them in so many ways. But where I want to start tonight, um, as we continue to dive in, I want to dive, start in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Uh, now, what Paul does here is Paul prefaces this short rant by saying that he's foolishly going to boast, saying, hey, this isn't a godly thing, what I'm about to do here, right? Uh, I am going to boast uh, like they're boasting. And I'm going to, and he, he's saying, and you'll see at the end, that he, he really does not like to do this, but he says he feels like it's, it's necessary for him to do. Um, but I will, I'll pause there and I'll say, like, it, I'll question you because I was questioned by this. And I read this letter as a whole uh, earlier today. I did it actually in 45 minutes. I highly recommend you do it. Uh, reading the whole letter is absolutely incredible um, to see Paul's heart as a whole. But he gets to this point, you can just hear his heart breaking. And he talks about, you know, he's, how he's going to foolishly boast. And I, I was challenged, like, what do I foolishly boast in? Right, or what do I appreciate from hearing people brag, right? Do I hear, do I brag? And if I'm bragging, what am I bragging in? What am I bragging? Uh, and I'll ask you that. What are, do you brag or what do you boast in? I, try, I do, I check myself frequently. The way I preface, I always can be wrong. I'm always open to being wrong in a lot of issues, obviously not on the fundamental things with Jesus, uh, but I do check myself frequently. I remind myself of, uh, by myself without God, the fact that I got kicked out of two schools, I remind myself that frequently. Um, I got kicked out of a school district when I was younger. I sought out joy in things that were killing my body and soul. I have no right to boast. And if I have a right to boast, it needs to be in my weaknesses so that God may get glory of what he has done in and through my life. And if I dare to, to brag on anything that I have done or accomplished outside of saying God has done this, given the glory of God. That is like one stealing glory from God. And I want to challenge you and ask you that. What are you, what are you boasting in? Uh, Paul often says that he boasts in his, in his weaknesses, right? Um, so before we dive into him boasting in a second, right, him, him just going on this rant, um, I wanted to preface it with that. He's not doing this in a, in a way that is meant to be taking like, oh, Paul, um, look at Paul, you know, this, this, this great missionary. And I will say, if you read this resume, and if I was accepting resumes for uh, to hire a missionary, this is a guy I would hire right on the spot. So let's dive in. First, Second Corinthians chapter 11, 22 says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night in a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters. And perils of robbers, and perils of my own countrymen, and perils of Gentiles, and perils of the, in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and toil, and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Now, this is really interesting. He switches here. 
And he says, well, all those things, right? Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, what I think about daily is my deep concern for all the churches. Paul has gone through all of these things, and this is the thing that concerns him the most, is the people that God has entrusted him with to shepherd, right? He was uh, an apostle where he went out and planted churches, right? So uh, he, God called, gave Paul people to serve, um, and those are the people. That's what he worried about. That's, that's the thing that bothered him the most was, man, how are they doing? What, what are they doing right now? God, are they loving you? Are they going back to Egypt, Lord? Are they going back to the slavery, uh, enslaved by sin? Like, what, what's going on? And, and that's what Paul, that was Paul's heart for the people he served. Um, and I, like, that, that should be our prayer. That should be your prayer. That should be my prayer, that God will give just a piece of his heart for the people that we are called to serve. If you're in Sunday school, let that be the kids. If you're in nursery, let that be the babies. If you're in men's group, let that be the men women's group let that be the women uh, two seven groups let that be the the groups you're in college ministry whatever it may be whatever the people group that you are called to serve right the group of people that you were called to serve i pray that you would desire just a piece of god's heart for them and that you would have that because what happens is that you grow to long and love them and then what your life right what happens in your life we're going to see in a minute is meant to be replicated, right? That's what fruit is. So it's meant to be replicated in their lives. And that was Paul's desire for them, to, to have this life that he had through Jesus replicated in them. So, but what he sees is that people are, people are not only challenging his character, challenging his calling from God, but challenging his love for them, right? And that, that was one, I think that that put Paul in one of his darkest places, right? The lack of love or the, 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 the lack of understanding of why these people feel like this. But this is one of the, being one of the raw, rawest and realest books, I want to go to one of the rawest, realest chapters. So if you don't mind turning to the beginning, after reading that, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to spend probably the majority of our time here. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll give you a second to turn there. Second Corinthians chapter 1. It's, I'm going to start and I'm going to read the first seven or eight verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. In Timothy, our brother, our calling comes from God. Right? If you are in ministry, uh, that calling comes from God. And Paul was highlighting that, right? This isn't different from the, the other epistles that he has, the openings, but uh, Paul highlights, I'm, and I'm an apostle of God, not by anything I've done, but by the will of God. To the church of God, in verse, uh, verse 1, to the church of God who is at Corinth with all the saints who are in, who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That, just to stop there would be incredible, right? To be reminded that God is a God of all comfort. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three are God of comfort. 
right? This this word uh, comfort specifically, uh, you know, don't don't laugh at me here, but it's paraklius. I think it's that's how you pronounce it. I've listened to it a few times in in Greek and Blue Letter Bible, and I, I try to master, it, but I don't think I did yet. Uh, but it's mentioned 28 times in the New Testament. This this word comfort. Um, specifically this Greek word, and 11 times, 11 of the 28, Paul references it here in 2 Corinthians. Um, the word itself means to uh, call to one side, uh, to console, to encourage, to strengthen by consolation, right? So when God, when he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Father of, uh, of mercies and God of all comfort, the God of consoling, encouraging, and strengthening by being by my side. It's interesting that it doesn't say uh, to console the God who to console, encourage, and strengthen, strengthening by telling you exactly what is going on in this moment, by clarifying what's going on and telling you exactly why it's going on. Uh, and oftentimes, why I do wish that that's how it operated. We know that's not how it operates. God does tell us, however, that there is purpose behind this, that there's purpose behind the pain, um, but behind his consolation is his comfort, right? That, that's his comfort. There's purpose behind his pain, there's purpose in his comfort. This became a very real chapter to me uh, when uh, I was... Uh, uh, probably 22, 23 years old. I gave my life to the Lord in my early 20s. And I moved to Boston. I moved in with uh, Eric Burks. And Eric Burks said this past Sunday that a lot of, I think he said, you know, there's probably 25 guys that lived in that house. I was one of them. I lived there. I was blessed to live there for so many years. And I learned a lot uh, living with Eric and Dave and Paul Presley and uh, Dean Handy and those, and those guys. And uh, I remember really hating my past, hating uh, a lot of the things that made me who I am today. And I remember really just like wondering why, why God, why did you, why did you give me this? Why did, why did this happen to me? Uh, and I would stick on that for a while and I would get past it and I would stick on it. And Eric comes downstairs because at the time he lived upstairs and came downstairs to my room. And I think I'm in tears over something, you know, I'm very frustrated. And, um, he says, Jordan, you just need to accept God's sovereignty in your life. And then I heard him quote the, this saying, you, God doesn't waste tears. God never wasted a tear of mine. I know that for sure. God never wasted a tear of Paul's, right? Everything that Paul went through was for others. And now let's read. We'll find out. In verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies of, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which, which we ourselves are comforted by God. So there is purpose behind this, this pain, this suffering, this, this loss, this false accusation, this... Uh, there's suffer there there's there's uh there's purpose behind these tears that we shed it's much easier for one who suffers with something i don't know maybe it be the loss of a child the loss of a a, a baby maybe it be um a loss of a, a parent or a a loss of a sibling maybe it be 
something else, right? But it's easier to comfort somebody in that if you know what they've been through, right? If you've gone through that and you know that you've experienced the comfort of God, the consolation of God, our Father, the Father of uh, mercy and God of all comfort, you've experienced that comfort, right? Uh, you're, you are able and you are called to, to comfort somebody else, right? You're called to use that for the glory of God, right? Paul, oftentimes, he talks about uh, reconciliation in this chapter, right? Reconciling people back to God, right? And I know that I can reconcile. When I got first saved, my testimony was a wild Vegas kid, right? I was a wild Vegas kid. I was raised in Las Vegas. I uh, partaked in a lot of, you know, what Las Vegas had to offer, made a lot of money. I live. I, I bought this American dream of fault, which was false, right? This counterfeit dream of joy, right? Uh, this dream of counterfeit joy. How about that? And um, it was when I first moved to Boston, I had a calling to speak to young adults, right? God used that, my past that I hate, hated so much to speak into young adults that desired the same thing, that were buying into the same false, this false hope, this false joy, right? That were desiring to, to party every night, desiring just to make a lot of money, uh, desire, which are money in itself is not a bad thing, but the, the desire to make a lot of it for the glorification of oneself, that, that itself is evil, right? So the, the desire for all of these things that I, I bought into that I later realized that were all like pointless, right? The, the only thing that mattered was God's love for me, right? His, his, his purpose for my life, my, me being one with him, getting to know him. And that brought me so much real lasting joy. And I was supposed to go out. I know that I was supposed to go out and do this. I was supposed to go out and tell young adults. I didn't know how many college kids were in Boston at the time, but I was supposed to call, go out to college students and tell them about uh, this, this false joy that we're buying. It's fake. Don't buy into it. Right. It's, it's pointless. It's going to leave you with broken hearts uh, and, and fake joy and tell them about where real joy comes from being reconciled to God, right? That's, that's what we're called to do, right? Where God uses our pain and sufferings. He doesn't waste them. And he uses those to, to reconcile others with, with him, right? And there's so much beauty in that. There's so much power in that. There's so much hope in that. And Paul, this whole letter, I mean, it's absolutely incredible to see his raw, raw and realness through this whole letter because he does it by showing how God, how God used his pain uh, for God's glory. And also how he, Paul himself, laid down his life for the people that he loved and served. And he did that because he knew that it was uh, the, the tribulation that he, the, the, the hardship that he had here was just for a little bit. And then he had glory with God for eternity, right? And I think about that, not only what we are going through, right? Knowing that it's just for a little while, it's this little piece. Francis Chan has an incredible, uh, uh, it's called the something like the rope. I don't know. Just put in Francis Chan rope on Google and it'll pop up. But this idea that so many people are worried about this little piece of eternity, little piece of life when there's this whole thread and he just goes on with this whole thread, this endless thread right, uh, of life that we're going to be living with God. And we're so worried about this little piece. And I'm not saying that this little piece isn't important. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't feel real. Um, we'll find out in a minute that it felt so real 
with Paul that he just spared life. He didn't even want to be alive, right? And I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but uh, you're not the only one that has felt like that. And as a Christian, as a believer of Christ, he felt like that. He wanted to be with God. He wanted to be with him, but he knew that he had a calling to complete here, that he had to finish his race here, and he was going to do it in a way that glorified God. I'm challenged by that, but I'm also challenged to know that uh, I'm not alone for, for, uh, for feeling hurt, right? For feeling sorrow, right? I, that's one of the reasons I love this book is that we see a rawness in Paul. Um, and let's continue. We'll see a rawness, but we, we know that not, not only we're we not alone, we know where the source of comfort is called is supposed to be. And we know the purpose behind it, that God is, he, it's a promise that he's going to use this. He's going to use this, uh, the, the, he's not going to waste these tears. He's going to use it to, to minister, to do this reconciliation work. So let's just go back to Scripture and uh, start in verse 5. Actually, let's go back to verse 4. And it's, uh, who comforts, this is God, of course, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Whereas the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, right? Anything I go through is for the people that he was serving. Anything that Paul went through is for the people that he was serving. Anything that we go through is for the people we are called to serve, right? That might be your own family members, your kids, right? Verse 6, uh, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of suffering, so you will also partake in the consolation. And verse 8, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, that we despaired even of life. Life was so hard for him that he didn't want to be alive. And I I purposely started with chapter 11 to read some of those things. Shipwrecked three times. Um, Was it three? I think it's three or five times that he received 39 stripes minus one by the Jews, uh, his own people. He, uh, this guy was sleepless nights. I mean, he was so burdened. He was, he had such a tough life that he despaired of it. At points, he despaired of it. Even He despaired of life. But, but why, right? Let's continue. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, the eternal, the final death, right? And does deliver us, does, present, does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Paul never lost hope that God was going to continue to do this work in and through him, right? He never lost hope that uh, he was very real and raw. I think this is the, and I keep saying that word because uh, it is so true. We're called to be real and raw with one another. We're we're called to have pure love. We're also called to bear one another's burdens. And Paul was just pouring his heart out to the people he loved, right? And, um, And he was also declaring God's goodness in it. God has comforted me over and over again. And he, he allowed me to go through this for your sake. I didn't want to be alive and he comforted me. In that, he reminded me of salvation. He reminded me that I, I had been saved from 
uh, eternal wrath through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that was spared on the cross through accepting that. I, he reminded me that I not only did he deliver me from that, that he would deliver me from this. Um, Paul had a thorn that he was dealing with, and he mentions that in this book that he was dealing with. And he says that even that thorn, and it's in verse, you don't have to go, but you don't have to turn there with me, but it's back in chapter uh, 12. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. So I wouldn't be prideful of what I've got as I got allowed me to see. Uh, God had allowed me to do a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I show, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, right? So this thing was torturing him. It sounds like he was speaking to him as well. I don't know. I could be wrong. But some people think it's like a, it was a back condition. Other people think it's an eye condition. It seems whatever it was, it was torturing him, right? He, uh, he begged the Lord three times that it might depart. But God said to him in verse 9 of chapter 12, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, boast in my weaknesses, right? These things that I, I, I am weak in, my struggles, I will boast in those that the power of Christ may rest upon me, saying that God will uh, be stronger than these weaknesses, right? God is stronger than my circumstances that I'm in. He's bigger than my circumstances, and he's going to, he's not turning his head watching, you know, as his, as his children, as his child suffers, is suffering, right? Suffering from a pain, suffering from uh, a disease, suffering from a mini or a virus, suffering from depression or a mental health illness. God is not turning his head away from his children as they suffer from these things. God is actually doing the opposite. He's there next to you, consulting you, comforting you, and, all, and also allowing you to, to be used by him to comfort all others after you get out of that season. But there is a getting out of certain, certain of some of these things, like this thorn was here to stay, may not ever go away, right? And, and God is going to be glorified in that. Others are going to go away. And if it goes away or doesn't go away, you're, we're meant to proclaim God's goodness, right? We're meant to proclaim, we're meant to, to talk to others about God's comfort and how he's comforted you in this. We're meant to declare these things, not only to ourselves and just hold these in, we're meant to declare these things to people and be used by God in this. And um, there, there is a, a very uh, dangerous, um, I think there's a very dangerous thing happening specifically uh, after coming out of a year like last year where, and I think Sam Cole alluded to it on Sunday, where we are no longer um, in community, right? I think we're in community far less than we're, we're called to be. Um, we're not sharing life with people. And we're not serving the way God, the way that we're called to serve God, right? And in, in the sense that that may be at work, that may be somewhere, um, but we're, we're enjoying the isolation period, even though the isolation period is called to be up, right? Um, and there's a dangerous in that because you are fighting alone, right? There may be, God may be wanting to put, bring somebody into your life who has been comforted him, comforted by him, right? 
Uh, he may be wanting to bring somebody into your life, but you're not leaving the house, right? You're, you're, you're still doing church on Sundays virtually, right? And if that's, if that's your comfort level, that's your comfort level. But I would just ask that you connect over FaceTime, over Zoom. You, you connect with people in the body of Christ. And if you are in the body, if you are out, I pray that you would not just, and I am super guilty of this. I struggle with after church wanting to just go right home because that's what I'm used to, the food court being closed. And now I'm I just going to go home and we're not allowed to go out. So I'm just going to go home now and getting used to that. But now uh, being allowed to, to go out, now be, being challenged, I can't go home. I'm called to, to say and be a part of this body and have conversations and get through the awkwardness of, you know, the, the, the small talk and actually sit down and be able to not be rushed and to talk and to, to console, to be maybe be comforted by somebody or to comfort somebody, right? But I'm called to be a part of this body. And I think there's a danger right now where uh, people have isolated themselves and uh, this rawness that we're called to have, uh, something that men have, at least I have always struggled with, um, this rawness that we're called to have, now it's like been removed completely and we're fighting this fight alone. Um, and we're not called to. We're not called to fight this fight alone. So I want to challenge you to go back into community. I want to challenge you to be a part of uh, Tuesday night service in person. And I want to challenge you to slow down after church. I want to challenge you to, to question and pray, like, Lord, who am I supposed to talk to today? Put me in front of that person. Um, Challenge yourself. I want to challenge you to do that. Uh, after church, sit down in the food court or ask somebody out to lunch, right? Sit. Allow God to speak through you or to you by the body and be real. Be real about what you're going through, right? Be real about uh, if there's a thorn, be real about that thorn. If there's something that may be temporary or if you despair of life of itself, speak to somebody. Call me. I mean, I, I am always around, but I, I am challenged by this message by Paul's realness. And there's a reason why this I've been memorizing these verses, because I have been in a place coming out of this, you know, this 11, well, 12, 13, 14 months of, of uh, distancing myself from people. Um, I've been in a place where it felt dark. Right. It, it felt like I didn't I, I don't really have community that much. Um, as we are opening back up, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, right? I was blessed enough to go out to dinner with uh, a couple in the church. We went over to their house this past Sunday, my uh, Saturday, my wife and I. And the next morning I said, you know, it was Danielle, but I call her love. I said, love, this is, uh, we need to do more things like yesterday, right? We, I want to feel like I'm part of this body. I want to feel like I'm part of the body of Christ. And we, in order to do that, we need to slow down and do communion, do community. We need to be with people. So Paul was very real and raw about his his heart to be with them. Um, they part of why the, his character was questioned was because he didn't return, and he said he was going to return. And uh, he explained how he how much he wanted to return and how he expected to return for a third time. Um, but more so, Paul was just very raw and real with him in this letter, and. I encourage you to read it. Um, I am uh, super touched by the fact that God doesn't waste our tears. God uses us to comfort others. God uses others to comfort us. Um, 
And as I wrap up, I want to just go over one more verse. Um, and it's going to be 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Because this is like what happens when we're going through this, right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, right? We, we go through these things and we're not completely broken because our foundation is Christ. Our foundation is, uh, we built our, he built his house on, on the rock of Christ, right? That being Jesus. And he went through all of these things and um, for God's glory, right? And God got glory through it. Um, he was probably the closest he's ever been to God in those situations, in those light afflictions, he says. Um, and I know that he got a crown. So I challenge you once again uh, to be raw and real with your community. Get back into community. Um, seek God for comfort if you're going through something God has not done. There's a reason why uh, you're, you're opening up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 today. God has not. Uh, he has not forgotten you. He's actually right next to you consulting you. So uh, be consulted, be in community. Um, love you guys.